Radio Maria England presents Introduction to the Prayer of the Church Presented by Father Ewan Marley From the Dominicans in Cambridge at Blackfriars I'd like to talk now about night prayer, known as Compline, but before that I still have some things to say about the Divine Office as a whole. One aspect of the Divine Office is the use of canticles, three great canticles as they're called, which come from the Gospel of Luke. There's the Benedictus in morning prayer, which is the priest Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. He says the Benedictus, when he's given his voice back, he's lost his voice because of his lack of faith when the angel tells him he'll be the father of a child. He doesn't believe this because he says his wife is too old. Another prayer, great canticle, the evening prayer, is the canticle of the Magnificat, which is Mary's great song when she greets Elizabeth. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. And the third canticle is in Compline. I'll speak about that in a moment, but that canticle is the song of Simeon. The old man has been promised he would not see death before he's seen the Messiah. And he sees the Messiah not as some great powerful figure in the temple, as he may well have expected, not some transforming figure who would overcome the enemies of Israel and give Israel earthly power, rather as a young child, a baby. I've often wondered how he would choose these canticles. Song of Simeon is easy to understand. Surely that's the last moments of an old man's life and also the old woman, Anna, the widow, who also sees the Messiah, clearly is appropriate for the last prayer of the day. But the Benedictus and the Magnificat, that's more difficult. I mean, the, neither of them appears to be happening in the evening or any particular time. We don't know when they're happening, but it's only during the day. No suggestion that they're morning or evening. So which, which would you choose for the morning prayer? Which would you choose for the evening prayer? Well, I think Benedictus is a prayer in which Zechariah is saying something which means more than he knows. He knows that the, his son will be the forerunner, the prophet of the Messiah, but he doesn't know that John the Baptist is greater than the prophet. Not someone that speaks for God, but someone who will show that God is in the world, who will identify the Messiah. And he doesn't know what the Messiah is to be. He knows what's been given to him to know. And of course, in death, in the vision of God, he will learn the fullness of Christian truth. But his prayer is a prayer that speaks to the future, but not with the same knowledge as Mary's prayer, Mary's canticle. Mary is prophesying for all history. Henceforth all generations will call me blessed. His mercy is from age to age on those who fear him. Even Mary, it may be, still has to understand the fullness of the meaning of the Messiah, her son. Here on earth, she doesn't have the vision of God that her son does. She doesn't see heaven as such. So the assumption she's brought into that fullness of knowledge. Here on earth, she has the same limitations as other human being, even though she is without sin. But she does see further and bit. Zechariah, and she understands that the Messiah is not this all-powerful figure, powerful in earthly terms, powerful in the terms that we might imagine power to be. He will slay enemies. She understands rather that he is born for suffering, and she learns this through her life. Simeon, in fact, it says to her, a sword will pierce your heart also. So, Magnificat makes more sense as evening prayer. Following on from what I said before, the evening prayer being the world as it is it's accomplished, as it is brought to fullness, not the end, but rather 
the true beginning. The day is made one, the morning and evening are made one together in the evening prayer. So morning prayer for Benedict is, is a prayer of expectation. Evening prayer is a prayer of fulfilment. Here and now we see what has happened. Every day we are alert, we'll have seen something of God's greatness. Many surprising things, many mysteries that do not seem like God's greatness, they seem like failure. Every evening we kind of look on the day and say, this, this has been God's work. Even if something terrible happened today, even if something embarrassing or evil, the day has been God's work because it's part of the creation, it's part of the greater good to come. So Mary's canticle makes sense for the evening. Mercy is from age to age and for those who fear him. Zechariah's prayer ends with saying he will guide us into, translated says, the way of peace, but it could be our way of peace, but then what Zechariah is saying is he will guide us on the road. But Mary sees the end of the road. And she also connects this with the past. It ends with Abraham and his seed forever. All is prepared. What happened, however unexpected, however beyond our imagination, has been prepared. That, in fact, is part of the wonder of the Incarnation, that no one could see it coming, and yet it was always being prepared and implied. God didn't lie to us in the Old Testament. It's rather we couldn't hear what the Old Testament was really saying, that the real redemption is yet to come, but when it comes, it will be a redemption by God in humanity. And Mary's prayer sees that more clearly than Zechariah's prayer, just as in the evening we have learned things that we did not know in the morning. We have lived the day. Another aspect of morning and evening prayer is the use of the Our Father. One time the Our Father was used more frequently, but now there are three official times when we say the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. We can say it many times, of course, should say it many times. If we're wise in our life, we can say it in the Rosary. But officially, liturgically, we say it three times. Morning prayer, daily Eucharist, and evening prayer. The Our Father, in a way, is a prayer which suggests that we will have to pray it again. I wonder many billions of times the Our Father has been said through history in the 2,000 years of Christianity. How many people, how many times have they said this prayer? And you might say, well, where is the effect of this prayer then? If this is the prayer God gave us, the Lord said, this is how you pray. If all prayer is ultimately an expansion of the Our Father, way of saying these words, I would reply, well, the Our Father implies that life isn't going to be complete till all life has been lived in the earth. We are always praying for something to come in the Our Father. We say your kingdom come because the kingdom hasn't come. We say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because your will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's true every day of our life. We seek forgiveness because we will trespass and have trespassed. We have done wrong. We seek mercy, even though we have not been merciful. The only prayer that speaks of the present is give us this day our daily bread, to centre the prayer. While we live, give us what we need to live, which is what we pray for and it's good to pray for. But our Father's praying for things that won't come fully until humanity has lived its life, till Human history has reached its end. The last human being has been born and lived their life. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. 
sense that life is a struggle and we have to go through that life to struggle and keep going. Life is more than just a thing to be achieved, a solution to be found. It's more than a problem that we can simply resolve. No, life is rather constantly eluding us, it always feels like we're failing, there's always things to repent of, there's always things to show sorrow for. So the Our Father itself is saying that there will never come a time on earth when you don't need to say this prayer. There will be a time when the things you, you seek in this prayer will be given to you on earth, in life. At least not fully, we will receive something of that prayer, we will see people doing God's will. That will be a result of prayer. We will avoid some temptations and we will be saved from evil at times. Not ultimately saved from evil, not ultimately freed from temptation. It doesn't end. We keep going. If you accept that, if you accept that life is a struggle, then you can have some peace. It's when you think that it should end, when you think, I just want a safe place where nothing bad will happen, where nothing hard will be asked of me. If you think that you can get that, well, you're doomed to frustration. But if you believe you can go forward in God's power, you might even be eager to endure some evils, some temptations, some trials. You might actually want this because you want to see God's power. Not because you think you're strong, or not strong, it's never are strong. But you know that God can bring good even out of our weakness, as St. Paul discovered when he asked for the foreign in his flesh to be removed, and God said to him, Power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is enough for you. So, we are Father. Necessary prayer, but also a prayer that tells us that we will never come a point where we can stop praying. It's a prayer that teaches us to pray. Now talk about Compline. The word Compline means fulfillment, filling, completeness. It's a word that you'll see, rather the roots of it, from Latin and Greek and uh, other words, complete. Completion. It is the idea that uh, fulfillment. It's often called night prayer. Night prayer is probably the proper term now. I said that the evening prayer, in fact, isn't the end of the day as such. It's not the end of what we do. But the evening prayer says we keep going and if we can look forward to heaven. Our evenings can be symbols of heaven. When night comes, things finish, but the evening comes and things haven't finished. Rather, very much of our real life begins in the evening. But night prayer is, of course, like saying that the night is at hand and the day is really is ended now. Time to sleep. 
that sleep can feel very much like something like death. It isn't death, sleep. In fact, I think more and more scientists are discovering just how much a good night's sleep is important for a good life. Discovering that dreams that seem like just a peculiar nuisance are actually often a way of resolving things. But the ancient fathers, and I think this certainly scholastics, were well aware that how you live your day may help you to sleep well. And it goes further back. The Saturday night prayer is one of the beautiful psalms, one of the simpler psalms, but one with aggression and violence, which we have to see as being about the fight, the struggle for against sin. This very simple psalm, Psalm 4, says, When I call, answer me, O God of justice. From anguish you release me, have mercy and hear me. O men, how long will your hearts be closed? Will you love what is futile and seek what is false? Is the Lord that grants favours to those whom he loves? The Lord hears me whenever I call him. Fear him, do not sin. Ponder on your bed and be still. Make justice your sacrifice and trust in the Lord. What can bring us happiness, many say? Lift up the light of your face in us, O Lord. You put into my heart a greater joy than they have from abundance of corn and new wine. I will lie down in peace and sleep comes at once for you alone, Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Well, that's a psalm from Saturday night prayer, which you should remember is the end of the week. Next day is Sunday, first day of the week in the Christian disposition, dispensation. I will lie down in peace and sleep comes at once for you, O Lord, Lord, make me dwell in safety. seems to be one of the ailments of the modern age, sleep. Many people find it difficult to sleep. Sometimes that can be caused by physical problems. Some pain, of course, might keep us awake. But very often it seems to be something deeper, a sort of agitation in our hearts. We can't rest, we can't let go. We worry, we think we should be able to still fix things. We're still believing in our own power become scared to sleep. In the ancient world, I said this earlier, sleep could be quite frightening because there was less protection and more danger. No electric lights, no big stone buildings to protect us, no organised police force. In the modern age, it's not so much fear of danger as this strange agitation, this feeling that I can do more, I should have done something, I will go up and do something now. It's a fear of letting go, it's a fear of simply saying, look, you're not in control of your life. 
You can do things to make your life more organised. You can study, work, learn. You can listen to advice. Ultimately, you can't control everything. You can't control, control very much in life. You have to let go. It's what the psalmist is saying. They have abundance of corn and new wine. They have achievements, things in their possession. He doesn't say that's wrong. He doesn't say that they've gone wrong. He just rather says that you have put into my heart a greater joy. More joy than this. If they think that's the only thing in life, wealth, achievement, that's very unfortunate. But, you know, you may have enough. You may well even have wealth. You may have good things to be grateful for. But it's important to know it's not that important. It's not the whole thing. There's greater things than that, greater than you imagine. And sleep becomes a great symbol of this. When we say Compline, we begin by calling to mind our sins with things in which we know we've done wrong. Could do that in the evening prayer, but since Compline is a symbol of life coming to its end, of letting go of the strength we had, the power we thought we had, of being aware that no one possesses anything when they're asleep, that seems the best time to really concern ourselves with the sins we've committed and to seek forgiveness. And then to rest, to lie down. And having done this, we can then say a few psalms in which we greet the day. Compline then is therefore a short, simple prayer, but it's basically a prayer of acceptance. It says... A day such as it has been is behind us. During the day, I have been agitated, but now I can let go of all things. It's the great prayer of everyone at the end of their life. No matter what we've done or not done, no matter what sin we've committed, no matter what we have failed to do, or no matter what good things we've done, what good things we've achieved or built, we have to let it go. It's ended. But we can go forward into a new morning. I think that's why, for instance, Tuesday's night prayer picks a psalm that seems rather appropriate as the phrase, In the morning let me know your love, for I put my trust in you. Make me know the way I should walk, to you I lift up my soul. But of course, it's really speaking of the new morning, not the morning of the next day. Well, we'll have many mornings in the next day, but it's not the morning it's speaking of. It's a morning that is beyond this life. Compline, therefore, is saying, well, things end, life ends. Many of the things we create, which are supposed to last from generation to generation, will not last. Cities may pass, countries, languages, ways of living. Knowledge may last, but pass. Great works of art may not be preserved. Don't know what's kept from generation to generation, but ultimately we go beyond that. We have something else to wake up for. Another morning. 
So this psalm of Tuesday, 143, 142 in the Greek, Latin. Even though it thinks of the past with some despair, looks forward to the morning. The enemy pursues my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me dwell in darkness like the dead, long forgotten. Therefore my spirit fails, my heart is numb within me. Remember the days of the past, I ponder all your works. I muse on what your hand has wrought. Then it goes on, in the morning let me know your love, for I put my trust in you. Make me know the way I should walk, to you I lift up my soul. So Compland acknowledges that there may have been great dangers, great terrors in our day, much of which we may have created for ourselves by foolishness, but it also says this is gone and now I look forward. We go forward. So the last thing to say about Compline is this third canticle from Luke I mentioned earlier, the canticle Simeon. Simeon were told as an old man, we're not quite told how old, but we're also told that Anna, the widow, the temple, well, she's been a widow for a long time, so we know she's old. And it is a very beautiful prayer that seems to be about ending, even though, of course, it's really the beginning of Christianity, the newborn babe, Christ. And it's very much a prayer accepting death. At last, O powerful master, you give lead to your servant to go in peace according to your promise. For my eyes have seen your salvation prepared for all nations. The light to enlighten the Gentiles and give glory to Israel, your people. It's a prayer that says it's time for me to leave, but great things are yet to happen. Salvation for all the nations, not just the Jews, Israel. And yet it will give glory to Israel, your people. This light that will give light to the Gentiles. Once again, it's a canticle in the gospel isn't necessarily happening at night, but we are talking about the different night. So, great image, accepting the end of our lives, accepting the end to eventually, as will happen, of human life. Life on earth is not forever. There will come a time, there will come a moment when it ends. But each one of us, in our own life, in our own soul, being unique people with our own choice, for and against truth, each one of us can accept that death that comes when it comes. Each one of us can hope that at the moment of our death we are ready to accept mercy, which is all we need that willingness to accept mercy. And then we pass through the door into the light. In heaven, the morning and the day are together. Every moment is one. In eternity, we are with each other forever. Nothing is lost, nothing is wasted. Nothing is separated. The seven times a day that we praise God have become one great time. One great whole, one marvellous moment of eternal love.
Thank you for joining us for Introduction to the Prayer of the Church, presented by Father Ewan, a Dominican priest at Blackfriars in Cambridge. You can listen to this as a podcast on many podcast providers, and also on our website at radiomariaengland.uk.